Well, the benefit of being retired. So on this whole cruise, we'll start off with a couple of days at Alani and then the Alaska to uh, then Hawaii to, to Vancouver. Uh, Vancouver and then Alaska. So it's going to be three weeks. I am so can you do you want to adopt me, you guys? I'll be coming with you. <laughs> DCL Duo fans, we want to take a minute to thank our amazing sponsors over at Touring Plans Travel. We use Touring Plans Travel to book our own fabulous Disney Cruise Line vacations and love the experience and service we get from our travel specialist at Touring Plans Travel and know you will too. So if you're looking to book your next fabulous Disney Cruise Line vacation, Disney vacation, or really any cruise or land-based vacation, head over to touringplans.com travel for a free quote. Let them know that the DCL Duo sent you to help support our show, but we're confident that you are going to have the same great experience that we do when we use Touring Plans Travel. So thanks Touring Plans Travel for sponsoring the show and now on to our episode. back everybody to this week's episode of the DCL Duo podcast and on this week's show we are excited to welcome in a couple of listeners because we are going to talk about the exotic world the fabulous world the dream of back-to-back cruising on Disney Cruise Line and so let me start by welcoming our guests Mike and Connie to the show welcome Mike and Connie hello thank you yeah thanks for joining us you guys We're glad to be back. Coming to us all the way from Dallas, Texas. We are excited to talk about back-to-back cruising. It's something that Sam and I have always wanted to do and just never quite been able to do. We've gone on longer cruises, but never back-to-back. So excited to talk to you about that. But we always like to start our show with your Disney backgrounds. And so, Connie, why don't we start with you? Do you want to tell folks about how you kind of got into Disney and your experience with Disney Cruise Line? Well, I always wanted to go to Disneyland. Because I grew up watching Wonderful World of Color, Wonderful World of Disney. Finally, when the kids got a little older, we decided to go to Disney World. And that started, wow. (laughs) So we started going to Disney. Then we decided we would get into Vacation Club, mainly because at the time, you could use those Vacation Club points very well on the cruise line. And it was going to pay for our cruise. Now it's not such a good deal, but at the time it was a really good deal. So we now have five DVCs. We kind of went a little overboard there and have done 22 cruises. We absolutely love Disney. Now I've only done 21 cruises. Yes. And and to remind our listeners, we had you guys on to talk about Disney Cruise Line first. So we talked about some of the maiden voyages and stuff like that, that you guys have done, which are really fantastic experiences. Absolutely. We love Disney and, and love Disney cruising. We have done other lines. However, the service, the quality, the entertainment always keeps us coming back. Mike, remind us about your Disney experience and background too. Yes. My first trip to Disneyland was in the 50s. I wish I could remember it. I've just seen some pictures. (laughs) And then, you know, one trip to Disney World just when I was at a conference in Orlando, uh, back when you had the e-ticket books or you had your ticket books. Uh, So you only got to ride Space Mountain once unless you were able to to cough up more cash. (laughs) You know, and then and then all of our trips that we've had. I, I quit counting our trips to Disney World. And remind us again where you own uh, DVC. Okey West, Animal Kingdom Lodge, uh, Bay Lake Tower, Grand Floridian, 
and Alani. I should have asked you where you don't own DVC. <laughs> <laughs> Riviera. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, and speaking of our Maiden Voyages episode, the with the Wish announcements coming out next week and hopefully itineraries to follow soon thereafter, are you guys going to try to book the Maiden Voyage on the Wish? No, we've got this Hawaii cruise that we're doing next year, the, another back-to-back Hawaii and Alaska. So that's our big trip next year. Plus, I'm a little concerned that the Wish may just be doing three and four nights. I'm not sure what their itineraries are going to be. An opportune episode then for us to educate our listeners on how they can squeeze those into a seven-night sailing or longer is to sail back-to-back on the Wish. So yeah, that'll be uh, <laughs> this will be educational for folks, hopefully. You know, I, I saw that in the beginning, that's what a lot of people were doing that wanted a seven-night cruise when it was only the magic they would do a back-to-back. Let's dive into the topic because we're already talking about back-to-back cruising on The Wish. Let's talk about what back-to-back cruising is like. Mike, you want to help our listeners understand what we mean when we say back-to-back cruising, what, what that means? It's kind of evident from the term, I hope. Well, then you book you book one cruise and you book the next cruise right afterwards. Mike, you and Connie have done a back-to-back cruise. You want to tell folks about which itineraries you coupled together and where you sailed out of, what ship, that sort of thing? We, we were looking at doing a cruise out of San Juan uh, that was going to be in the Caribbean, St. Martin, Antigua, St. Lucia, Barbados. And then I looked at, you know, it's going from Galveston to San Juan. So we could just make that a back-to-back and not have to fly to San Juan, just fly back. Uh, so that's what we were doing. So it was repositioning from Galveston to San Juan and then a cruise, a six-night cruise from San Juan. So it ended up being about 10 or 11 nights for you, I think you said, before the show? 11 nights. Yeah. That's a that's a great length of cruise, by the way. Well, and that's kind of perfect. I mean, instead of uh, you eliminate one airline leg and instead get an extra cruise leg. <laughs> I mean, the- yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we did. Fl- we flew to Houston and then flew back from San Juan. But Houston from Dallas is a pretty easy trip. It is our back-to-back cruise is something that folks can just book on their own. Is it better to go through a travel agent? Is it better to call into Disney? Like, what's the right way to think about this? If I see two cruises that are back-to-back and I want to put them together, what's the what's your tip on how to actually accomplish that? Well, you you certainly can do it on your own, but it was very easy using a travel agent to do it. So we just told our travel agent what we were wanting to do. He got the the same room for us for both legs of the trip. So that that was the that was the painless part where our travel agent really earned his commission on it. So Connie, tell us why is getting the same stateroom so key for a back-to-back cruise? Oh, it's lovely. That way you don't have to repack. You you just you get off the ship, you get a little orange card to get back on at any time. And you you have to go through and, and clear all that the customs or whatever for that area. But you just get right back on and go sit in the hot tub while all the other people are out there waiting. <laughs> <laughs> and you can still access your stateroom, right? You can. It just depends on the port and what's going on on the ship. We had a couple of hiccups on ours that other people that we've talked to that have done back-to-backs didn't have. Apparently, it took people a long time to get off the ship. So we were sitting in the... Uh, where was it we were sitting? It was a, oh, the, a lounge of some yeah, sort. Yeah, one, one of the clubs. Yeah. And we were waiting forever for these people to get off the ship because they have to clear everything before they can, you know, let everybody move around on the ship. From other other people that we've talked to that didn't have that issue. So 
Yeah. So it's, I mean, it seems like the first hurdle to overcome is just booking it, right? So you got to find two cruises that you want to do the itineraries on. I've, I've heard of people coupling back to back three, four night cruises to the Bahamas. It sounds like the pitfall there is it's a little bit of deja vu on board because you're basically sailing the same itinerary back to back. So it's a little bit of deja vu. But like what you did, where you coupled two different itineraries or repositioning along with a, it sounds like almost a, is a Southern Caribbean cruise that you were on based on the ports. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, that's interesting because you're actually then getting a different kind of cruise. You're you're basically making your own 11-night cruise adventure here. Yes. We, we have friends that have done, well, they did Norway and did the British Isles. When we did our British Isles, that's where we met them. And they had already gotten through the fjords cruise. Yeah, we've heard, we heard on our British Isles cruise group folks who were taking the British Isles cruise and then catching the transatlantic back to... New York afterwards. And then we also, I, I think we even saw a few people, Sam can correct me, but I think we saw a few people who were doing the Norwegian fjords then the British Isles, then the Transatlantic back to New York. Yeah. The, oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's like a, almost a month, like, I don't know, three weeks, a month, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it just makes it a real long cruise, but then there are benefits to, to having the same thing over again. Because one of the things on Disney Cruise Line is there's so much to do that you can't do it all. And then you have an opportunity to go, okay, I'm not going to the show tonight. I have the opportunity to go and do some other things that I've missed out on. You know, like when you go to the parks over and over again, and I'm not, I'm not worried about, I have to go ride this ride. I can explore and do something different. That's a really good point. I do find that even on a seven night cruise and actually even on, we did a, an 11 night Southern Caribbean, there were things that I would have liked to do, but missed because there's just so much going on every day. And when you're on a longer itinerary, they do change up the shows. So you're not going to have like a repeat of the same shows, you know, three or four nights or something like that. So you really have like one or two maybe opportunities to see a particular performance. And so on a back-to-back itinerary, you probably are going to have some repeats of some of the acts. And so you you may have a couple of different opportunities to you know, see that show or see that comedian or ventriloquist or one of the other performers on, on board. Absolutely. And the same goes with the ports. Sometimes it's really difficult to make the decision which excursion you want. If you go back to the same port, then you have another opportunity. No, that's a good point. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point. That's a reason to do the same ports again, like do back to back of the same itinerary. All right. So we've booked this. We've we've gotten a, 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 a great assist from a travel agent or Disney directly. We're in the same stateroom. You've now got two cruise reservations that you're managing. I'm assuming that doesn't alter your booking window for each cruise. Like you don't get to jump the line on the second cruise. You still got the same booking windows for both their, their separate cruises. Am I right about that? You are correct. Absolutely. So two early mornings to get your Palo reservations, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's the night, you know, it's, it's, it's unlike when you're booking a parks vacation where, you know, the longer your, your longer your stay is, the earlier you get the booking window for everything. For this, you're going to have two separate booking windows, one for cruise number one and one for cruise number two. Right. Okay. So we've booked it. The tip there is to get them same stateroom so you can not have to move your luggage. I will say for listeners out there, if you end up doing this and you're in two different staterooms, my understanding is that Disney will still move your luggage from one stateroom to the next. You have to pack up, obviously, but they'll move your luggage from one stateroom to the next. So you don't have to finagle with that. That's what we're going to have on our next one because we didn't decide to do the back-to-back early enough. And, but actually, they were in two different releases 
Oh, interesting. So one was like a sp- one was like a summer and one was a spring or whatever. Right. And the room that we booked for Hawaii was not a connecting room. And on the Alaska cruise, we've got our grandchildren going with us. Oh, and, and their parents. But the, the main reason why we're wanting to do it is because the grandchildren will be with us. Gotcha. So they're meeting up with you in Alaska, then they're not doing the whole back-to-back with you. That's right. Or, or I guess they're meeting up with you in Vancouver. Correct. Yeah. That's awesome. Yes. But, but the, so then we will have to pack up. Uh, you know, as much. I mean, imagine we can just throw things into bags if we have any bags from the gift shop and the steward will move the bags for us. But we're only moving one room over. <laughs> That's kind of <laughs> hilarious. So close. So close, but yet so far. Yeah. Um, well, you'll have the same stateroom attendant. That's kind of nice. But you'll have to get probably a new key to the world. I wonder how that works, actually. You have to get a new key to the world anyway. So, so do you want to go through the whole process? What happens? Yeah, let's, yeah, let's, let's, I I suppose when you show up at the port, is there anything different as you're checking in? Why don't you walk us through that process? Nothing different as you're checking in. On the last day of the cruise, you get a note that comes in to your room that's telling you you're sailing back to back. Thank you for that. And the schedule uh, that there's a debarkation and you have the choice. Do you want to stay on board? And just walk right back on the ship, or are you wanting to go off the ship? Sorry, Mike. When you say there's a choice there, so you could just stay on, and basically, basically, that's just walk on, walk or walk off, walk back on. Right. You still have to walk off. You know, my understanding is in a, a pre nine eleven world, you didn't even have to get off the ship. They they just worked it out where you stayed on. But if you're going to get off, if you if you're going to stay on, we meet in the we met in the D lounge at nine twenty. And they're waiting for everyone to be off the ship. And then they'll walk us off, check us back in, and walk right back on the ship. Oh, interesting. I didn't realize that. So when we were there, the people said that's normally a very quick process. It was a slower process because they came in and at you know a little after 10 and said there's still over 100 people on the ship. And we have to wait for everybody to get off before we can take you off and check you back in. We did. We go off. We sit down for a minute. Then they open up to where we used to go back in line, do the whole check-in process again, give you your new key to the world, and take you back up. And you can go hang out at the adult pool and at the cove, and all the drinks are free. Wow. That's awesome. What, let me ask about that check-in process. So I, I imagine because you're getting off at a, a port, you have to bring your passport with you? Yeah. You have to have the same thing that you would have. You would have. Uh, it, it was a real simple process, but I, as I recall, we needed to, t- to take our. It says to bring your proof of citizenship. Gotcha. Right. So if if you, well, I guess technically you don't need a passport to sail just to like the Caribbean, but most people will have their passport, and so you'd bring whatever identification you need, just as if you were checking in for your first cruise. Right. Now it's a little bit easier if you're if you're returning straight back to the ship. If you're going ashore, then you leave and you have to come back in and check in and go through, you know, the process with everybody else already there in the terminal. 
Ah, that's what I was going to ask. Now, for that day, if you had wanted to get off and spend the day, were there, are there like shore excursions available or are you just kind of on your own because it's not technically a cruise, right? It's an, a disembarkation and an embarkation day. Right. It, w- it would have been it would have been on our own. So then they were telling us that if you wanted to do that, be sure and take your proof of citizenship with you. But they give you an envelope that has a little orange card in it. And that little orange card is like your pass to go past the line and get right back on the ship. Gotcha. So you'd have to wait for check-in like every with everybody who's getting on for the first time, but you've got like a kind of a fast pass with that orange card. Yes. Do they have you check in with like at like concierge and pl- platinum desk area or something like that? Castaway Club is what their instructions were. But even when we were all sitting down waiting to check back in, then we went over to the to the platinum desk and checked in there. That sounds pretty easy then. I mean, either whether you're getting off to spend the day in port or you are just getting off for the second that they need to for customs. Sounds like a pretty easy process. Yeah, it was pretty painless. And when you're getting back on, Connie, you mentioned, well, we're sitting in the hot tub while everyone's still waiting to board. I mean, are, are you getting, if you decide I want to get off and get immediately back on, are you back on ahead of family of the day and everybody else? Uh, I mean, how early are you getting back on the ship? Yeah, we were back on probably around 1130, which my understanding is late. We, we were in the terminal through the checkout area before they've opened it up for everybody else to come in. Yeah. So you're getting back on before family of the day or any boarding groups, it sounds like, even though at this point you guys were later than what they sort of normally expect. But even when we're getting back on with this small group, the concierge guest went first. (laughs) Of course. So how many people, when you say this small group, about how many people were getting back on or or were with your back-to-back group that was sitting in D-Lounge and then got off together and then got back on? Probably a little over 100. Oh, wow. That's a lot of people. Yeah, I was surprised at how large of a group it was. Of course, that's a small group for who's on the cruise. Mm -hmm. And what's open when you get back on? Cove Cafe. Cove Cafe. <laughs> and a hot tub? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because the pool deck is usually being, everything's being serviced and um, before the new guests get on, right? There's not- And they're getting ready for the sail away party. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Well, there might be, I know that sometimes they'll have one of the one of the smaller pools like open for kids before sail away. Or am I wrong about that? They, they open up the pools once people start to board, but uh, not like, it sounds like Mike and Connie are getting on early enough that Really, nothing is open except for Cove Cafe. Right. I'm looking at the letter that they gave us here. It says uh, that the Cove Cafe and Deck 9 Midship were open for refreshment and snacks. So even if you had children that were coming back, there's there's something for them to, to eat. And they do say everything else, all ship services are suspended while they do essential maintenance. So no, so no early, no early rides on the aqueduct for for anyone. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, no. actually, it's it's not even on the the wonder doesn't even have the aqueduct come to think of it. So yeah. Right. <laughs> well, and I presume you you have to get up for breakfast on the, on the early side, like everybody else, in order to hit Cabanas because Cabanas does or, or Cabanas or the dining rooms do like very early breakfast, and then everything kind of shuts down pretty soon thereafter. So if you want to grab anything other than some pastries at Cove Cafe, you're up early with everybody else, right? Yeah, well, we were meeting for the group at 920. So it's still, you know, you've got to have everything done by then. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But our our steward knew that we were staying, and on the last evening, the head server comes over to talk to us, and he asks if we're happy with our servers, if we want to keep the same servers, or if we want to change. Oh, interesting. So in in our case, we had been a table for ten with five couples. Just the experience that the servers were great, mm-hmm. but taking care of ten people at a table is a difficult thing, especially when it's you know. 10 adults in, in five different families. So we said, we're happy with our servers. We'd rather be at a smaller table. Mm-hmm. And so they moved us to a table of six. Oh, nice. Did you get to keep your servers then in the same section? Yeah, same servers. Same servers. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. that's a, So that's interesting. So then you've got two couples with you for your second cruise. Well, that that's right. And then, and then we wound up with only one. The two people came the first night. And then we never saw them again. <laughs> that's weird. I wonder if they switched dining rotations. Well, that, that that's not the first time that's happened to us. <laughs> we've had somebody see, see somebody on the first night and then don't see them again. We wouldn't abandon <laughs> you like that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, in, in, in both cases, it was two single ladies traveling together and then everybody else's couples. So, uh, yeah. I, I will say I've had it happen where I've talked to folks who've been on Disney Cruise Line or other cruise lines and not realized before they went that they would be seated with other folks. If they're a party of you know two, three, or four, I'd say, unless you ask for a private table, you expect to be seated with at least one other family. And so I think there are a lot of people who just go on cruises for the first time and don't realize that. And then, you know, that first night comes, they're seated with other people and they're like, this is weird, you know, and they're not maybe as outgoing or comfortable or they just don't want to eat with strangers. But I find that to be one of the, you know, very fun parts. Although I will say, Brian and I, when we've cruised just the two of us, we have gotten a private table a couple of times. But I will say, I think it's really fun when you sit with new people and make friends and it's only dinner. I, I agree. Um, and we have, like I said, I've done 22 cruises and my son 21 uh, get points. I took his mom on a cruise for Mother's Day. Um, <laughs> oh, that's you got big points then for that. <laughs> and we have two couples that we have remained close, one couple really close. But the difference is on the river cruise that we did through Adventures by Disney, there are five of us couples who are still, and that was four years ago today, five of us couples who are still in contact and try to meet up at Disney and that that sort of thing. So uh, yeah, you can make some some good lifelong friends cruising. Of course, the, the river cruise is a much smaller group. You know, there's 120 people on board as opposed to 2,000. Well, I, I will say we had a really, so this was not on Disney. This was on Celebrity. It was years ago now. My parents and I took a cruise. Actually, before I even met Sam, he <laughs> took a cruise. And we sat at this uh, table with this lovely couple from Great Britain and had a week-long fun conversation with them. And then on the last night of the cruise, we found out that they like to make up personas for each other. And they were... <laughs> Lying to us the entire time. So they they had told us that they were teachers in the UK and all of this sort of stuff. And then the last night of the cruise, they were like, that's not who we really are. That's not even our real name. See you later. So uh, so (laughs) my parents felt betrayed. So anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that could go one of two ways, right? You could think that was really fun and really clever. But then also, if you've like sort of started to develop relationships with these people like, wow, these people, we spent a week with them and they've been lying to us the whole time. So I think they could go 
either, you know, really badly or, or really well, depending upon the audience. But I, you know, to Connie's point, I think it, it's funny how on a smaller cruise, you actually are more likely to make those lasting relationships, even though there's less people to choose from. It's a little less intimidating to really get to know, you know, some people real well. But we've, you know, we've had some good experiences on Disney with sitting with other, you know, families, particularly when we're traveling with our son and they try to pair you with a family that has a similarly aged child. And I think that's one of the really great things that the Disney does well. well see, I was just also going to say smaller cruises and longer cruises. And on Disney, you also have the benefit of the Facebook group. So if you get a really good active group on Facebook, you can make some really good friends even before you start the cruise and then meet up on board. And then, you know, suddenly you've got kind of a lasting cruising relationship. So lots of ways to make friends on Disney. Yes. Or you meet people through your podcast and then you decide you're going to sit with them which we're planning on doing for our Norwegian Fjords That's cruise right. next year. That's right. So. If any of you out there listening are on a cruise with us and you want to have dinner, we are always open to that idea. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, the couple that was on the British Isles cruise with us, we met, the, we met up with them the last time we were at Disney. And it turns out they're on the same Hawaiian cruise that we're on. Oh, fun. Oh, fun. fun. Yeah, we bumped into people at Disneyland that we were on cruises with, actually. <laughs> well, and, and then we... We both use the same travel agent. We just emailed our travel agent and said, link our stuff together. So we'll be seated together for dinner. Oh, that's nice. So actually, that's pretty cool. I was going to ask you about that. So for Hawaii and then Alaska. So Hawaii, you're going to have this other couple sitting with you. And then for Alaska, you're going to have, well, you might not even change tables. You'll have kids and grandkids sitting with you. Yes. Yeah. So that'll be that'll be six of us. Oh, that, oh yeah. So you'll go from four to six. Well, that'll be fun. Yes, we've done Alaska and we absolutely loved it. But now the chance to do it again 10 years later with grandchildren is just a wonderful opportunity. Yeah, that, that it would be amazing. It would be an amazing experience. Well, yeah, you'll have to tell us about that because we have not yet sailed to Alaska and we have a seven year old and we're we're trying to figure out when's the best time to take him. Well, ours will be ours will be six and nine. So well, the benefit of being retired. So on this whole cruise, we'll start off with a couple of days at Alani and then the Alaska to uh, then Hawaii to, to uh, Vancouver. Vancouver and then Alaska. So it's going to be three weeks. I am so can you do you want to adopt me? You guys? <laughs> with you. Let's go back to back to back cruising for a second. Maybe let me ask this question. What are some of your pitfalls to back to back cruising that may then yield a tip for listeners out there as they think about this? We've talked about stateroom way back in the front, but any other pitfalls that you've experienced on your back to back cruising? I, I, I can't think of anything. Having the same stateroom was the key to making it real easy. Uh, obviously, that's okay. I'll do it again, having to move rooms. But but I think that's the key is, you know, being prepared for that. It's great not having to pack, you know, this when you do cruise, not having to pack too many clothes and being able to go and do laundry. Uh, I even saw somebody talked about that was one of the things they took advantage of during the, the time when you're on board by themselves is they could go and have the whole laundry room to themselves. <laughs> that's a really good point. <laughs> You can get your stuff like in the washer. You can just toss it in in the morning and not worry about anybody moving it. And then when you get a chance after you do your D lounge thing, you can go back and put it in the dryer and everything's free at that point or available, I should say, not free. The laundry room provides more free entertainment on board than some of the other venues. (laughs) (laughs) It can, yes. (laughs) 
Yeah, this will be different for us because uh, going through Hawaii and then going up to Alaska, even though it's in May, is still a little chilly. So normally we will take half the amount of clothes that we need and just do laundry halfway through. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this time we'll have to pack for two different atmospheres or weather conditions. Yeah, two different climates. Yeah. Yeah, that's always tough. That's always tough. Yeah, you'll need... Warm weather and cold weather this time. I, I will. I will say what I've liked throughout this conversation is I think you you have identified some pitfalls, but you've turned them into positives. So like the pitfalls that I tend to hear about, aside from getting different staterooms, which is like frankly easy to navigate with with Disney. The um, the pitfalls I've heard have centered around sort of deja vu, right? Like I'm doing the same cruise again, but I love it. You mentioned okay, well if you go back to the same port, that gives you two bites at shore excursions, right? Or maybe you just turn that additional port day into a day at sea. You know, you're seeing the same shows again. Sure. But maybe that means one night you skip the show and you go do something else that you wanted to do. So what I love is that you're talking about the, And I think this is true of longer cruises, to be frank, although probably more so with back to back, because on longer cruises, they space the entertainment out in a way that there's not a lot of repeat. I don't think, Sam, I don't know if you remember from our 11 night, but back to back, you are repeating schedules a little bit. And so you're able to say, well, I want to do these two things that conflict with each other. No problem. I'll do this cruise. I'll do this thing. And the next cruise, I'll do the next thing. Even I think would help out with like Palo and other, you know, adult dining because you got more bites at the Apple to get those reservations that you want because you're lengthening out the uh, the, the cruise. So any other positives that you found from the back-to-back cruising besides, besides some of those? Well, it, like you mentioned at Palo's being platinum, we get a, a free Palo meal. So since we get two separate cruises, we got two free Palo meals. Nice. Did you do one brunch and one dinner or did you just do two brunches? I imagine. I don't remember. It was two two brunches. I would think two brunches (laughs) because I love the brunch so much. We do too. I mean, I do like the dinner there as well, though. It is a really nice dinner, but but yeah, I probably would choose two brunches Well, well. And and that's another benefit kind of implicit in there, Connie, is if you're trying to rocket your castaway club status and you want to take a seven night cruise, do a three and a four night back to back. And under Disney's at least current regime, that's two more cruises to your castaway club status as opposed to... Yeah, that's true. Because uh, and I think that's part of the reason we have 22 is because we started sailing that, you know, we were on their 12th cruise. So several of the ones that we took originally were three or four night. That helps build that up real quickly. Well, and I think that that sort of tails on our prediction. Brian and I predict that at some point in the near future, they will add another tier to the castaway club status. Oh, for sure. There's there's no way they can keep going at the rate that they are. The, the sort of tip around, you know, taking a three and a four night and putting it together to get two cruises on your castaway club status, by the way, that could all be obsolete in a year because, you know, a lot of the cruise lines just don't do number of cruises any longer. They do nights sailed, dollars spent. It's sort of like the airlines just used to do, how far have you flown? And then it was, well, how far have you flown and how many dollars have you spent with us? And we'll boost you if you're in these classes of room and we, you know, or these classes of seat, we'll not boost you if you're in coach, right? So I have a feeling you could see Disney start to revise things to be like, okay, so it's based on number of nights. And if you're in concierge, you get more and, you know, you know, that sort of thing. So it it would make sense. It would be unfortunate. And I just hope we can get to platinum ahead of those changes so that maybe they'll grandfather us in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is something that's changed a lot. On our second cruise, when we went to our Castaway Club reception, it was in the Cadillac Lounge. And we sat down and every ship officer came by and visited with us. Uh, there were probably only a dozen people in there. Yeah, it, w- it was real small. And then it got to where you moved into a lounge and one officer came and visited with you. And then the last time we had uh, a reception 
I think it was up on the deck mm-hmm. and, you know, they did a little show and and it's huge. It's just so many people. Yeah, I, I, I fully believe Disney will add a new tier or a set of tiers into their Castaway Club, probably to coincide with the wish, but we shall see. We shall see. Do you think you'll ever book one of those back-to-backs where you do either the same or similar itinerary, um, meaning like two Caribbean cruises back-to-back? Or do you think you'll focus more on these like repositioning and then a reg- and some other sort of regular itinerary? Because that's sort of how I view what, the one that you did and the one that you're doing, right? They're, they're, Southern Caribbean is, well, they've changed what, what the Southern Caribbean itinerary is, but you did the repositioning from Galveston to San Juan and then a Southern Caribbean out of San Juan. And then the next one you're doing is Hawaii to Vancouver repositioning and then a regular Alaska itinerary. So do you think that that's where you'll stick with for back-to-backs or? Yeah, that seems to be more our style, seeing more things. Uh, I'm just still holding out for Australia, you know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You and me both. (laughs) Yeah, but but I've heard people talk about, you know, the three and the four night because we really love uh, Castaway Key and that gives us, you know, a another chance at that and, and another chance at scoring a cabana. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. More opportunities for a cabana is always a good thing for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then again, I mean, those double dips are another way to do that, right? Like you have a couple of ways of doing getting to Castaway twice. One is that back to back three and four night. And then the other way is finding those unique itineraries that are double dips. So yes, we've done some double dips. It's, it's fun if you really like Castaway Key a lot like we do. Yeah, we are we are actually booked on one in for November over Thanksgiving, a very merry time. We're not confident it's going to happen, but we're crossing our fingers. <laughs> I I remain I remain better than 50-50 that it will happen. I Yeah, I would be I would be cautiously, yeah, optimistic. It, it still will probably be very different. Well, this week the announcement of the protocols for the UK staycations, I could imagine that we'll operate under those for nine months to a year before any of them start to fall away or any of them substantially fall away. So vaccination, testing, and masks, I think, are in the in the cards for the foreseeable future, which, you know, that's fine. As long as I can get on board a ship. <laughs> I, I would say absolutely. I, I will do that. Just let me know. Yeah, on. exactly. Exactly. Well, Mike, Connie, any final tips on back-to-back cruising before we head into rapid fire? No, just enjoy it. It's, it's, they make it as painless as possible. It's a great way to see the world. Well, Sam, you want to take it away for a rapid fire round? I'm not sure what you've got in store for Mike and Connie since they're repeat guests, but uh, I'm excited. Okay, so I'm going to do a (laughs) bit of a a mix today, which is going to be a mix of parks, resorts, and cruise line because I don't want to, I want to, there might be a couple of repeats from our last episode, but I'm going to try to not repeat as best I can. That's okay. I don't remember my answers last time. (laughs) All answers are subject to change in rapid fire, so it's totally fine. (laughs) Okay. What is your favorite DVC resort? You guys have so much experience with DVC, so I thought I would throw these in here. So Mike, let's start with you on that. Well, if I'm just going to resort, it's going to be Alani. I hear you. At at Disney World, probably Grand Floridian. So that's the one that Sam was wanted to stay yes. at forever and we've just never made it to. I've stayed there. I stayed there as a child, but I have not stayed there as an adult. And Connie, what about you? I, I would say the same. I was thinking, I don't know how I would choose between Alani and, and Grand Floridian, but yeah. Well, Grand Floridian is really cool now because they've got the walkway finally to the Magic Kingdom. So it's like, it's on par with Bay Lake Tower in terms of access, which is nice. Yeah. All right. Disney World versus Disneyland. 
Connie, we'll start with you. Man, that's so hard because they're so different. We went to Disneyland last year, or I guess it's been two years ago with the grandkids, and Cars Land just so bowled me over. I am so ready to go back there. But it's just a different world. Boy, if I had to pick, I guess it would be Disney World. What about you, Mike? Yeah, I would go, you know, Disney World for for a week-long vacation. Disneyland for one day. Ah, that's a that is a good differentiation. Yeah, because it's you can't really go to Disney World for just one day. You might be kind of disappointed if you did just one day at Disney World. Yeah, but if it was two days, I want to go back to Disneyland Paris. <laughs> right. I like that. <laughs> All right. Favorite park. Now, when I say park, I'm talking Epcot, Magic Kingdom, California Adventure, Animal Kingdom, right? Disneyland Park, right? So which which is your favorite park of all the parks you've been to? You can even throw in the Paris ones in there. So Mike, we'll start with you. My favorite park would be California Adventure. Nice. Uh, part of that may be that we you've only been there a couple of times, so there's still an awful lot more to explore. Absolutely. Connie, what about you? Hollywood Studios. Oh, are you a, a big uh, Star Wars fan? No, I'm I I'm kind of missing the Streetmosphere characters at the moment. Oh, yeah. I love that part and I absolutely adore Mickey and Minnie's new Runaway Railway and my grandkids just tickle me to pieces play on Slinky Dog with them. <laughs> I love Slinky Dog as well. We have not been on the Runaway Railway yet, so I'm looking forward to that. It's adorable. I'm hoping to try it out. I'm going out in June to meet up with a couple of people, so I'm hoping to try it out then. So Sam will Sam will hate me for it forever, but I'm going to try it yes, out. Yes, I will. <laughs> At least Remy won't be open yet. If Remy was going to be open, I would. No, but I'm going to be there on opening day I know, for we're Remy. We're both going to so, be there, yeah. I think, for that. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll be there a week later. All right. We'll, we'll test it out okay. for you. Make okay. sure it's all sound <laughs> make sure it's and, safe. and working, working order. <laughs> Okay. Favorite land. Again, any park, doesn't matter, but what's your favorite land? We'll start with Connie. Cars Land. I felt like I was walking into the movie. It was- Yes, right? It was just wonderful. It is perfect. Yeah. The Radiator Springs is like the most immersive. The only thing I would say that like sort of compares is actually the Harry Potter world over at Universal. It's- quite amazing and immersive like Carsland. You feel like you're right there in it all because it all, I mean, it all looks perfect. It's it's amazing. Mike, what about you? Favorite land? I have to say that I'm just amazed at Galaxy's Edge and how committed the cast members are to the experience. Yes. What is it? Rising Suns. Rising <laughs> Suns. <laughs> we actually, actually, we had a, you know, Mike, along those lines, we had a funny story. The first time we visited Galaxy's Edge, and we were walking around, there's a Rise of the Resistance wasn't open yet, but that area was open. So you could walk over there and kind of see. And there was a little gift stand like right outside of Rise of the Resistance. And we were looking at the X-Wing and all of this sort of stuff and wandered over the gift stand and then started to walk back toward the main area where the Millennium Falcon was. And this cast member was like, be careful as you head back into the area that's controlled by the First Order. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these people are super committed to this. I love it. <laughs> all right. Favorite attraction this is just number one attraction so mike rise of the resistance it's pretty great what about you connie i don't know i'm just thinking i must have something about shooting it's between um toy story mania and buzz lightyear i would give that to toy story mania between those two i just think it's a bit i think that one's a better ride and just the technology is so cool maybe maybe i'm just more competitive than i think (laughs) i love it 
All right. Now we're going to jump over to cruising. What is your favorite cruise line? I know you guys have been on other cruise lines. So we have been on several cruise lines once. We've been on Disney 21 and 22. So I think that answers (laughs) the the question. (laughs) All right. What's your favorite ship, Mike? My favorite ship is the Fantasy. The one I've been on most often is the Wonder. Exactly. And that's just because of itineraries. Same for you, Connie? Same for me, yeah, because Wonder's the one that does the Hawaii, and and we've done the Panama and Alaska on it, and it does, you know, the different things. That makes sense. I mean, the Wonder does the the West stuff and the Panama Canal, the Magic does the European stuff, and then Dream and Fantasy are are really Caribbean, so they don't have as, as interesting of itineraries, for sure. All right. Favorite itinerary that you have done. So Connie, we'll start with you. Boy, uh, for fun, the British Isles. For nature and just beauty, uh, Alaska. Nice. What about you, Mike? Yeah, British Isles. That's the one that I, there was so much to do that I would go and do it again. Really? Wow. Yeah. You, you, you get into places to where, how do I choose which, I, which excursion am I going on? We were booked on the British Isles, but when we've we've now rebooked and we're not doing the British Isles, we're going to do the Norwegian fjords instead. But we'll have to do the British Isles at some point, I guess. Yeah, we loved every day of the British Isles. All right. And my last question is bucket list cruise. I know we asked you this the last time you were on, but I feel like this is always a moving target. You know, one day you may think, oh, I want to, I really want to do this. And then the next day or a month later, you're like, well, no, I really want to do that. So mine's the same that I answered last time, though. It would be Australia, New Zealand, uh, in that area. I would love to go there on a Disney cruise. What about you, Mike? Maybe that, but South Pacific, I would like to venture out a little bit more than Australia and New Zealand. You know, the idea of going to Tahiti or or Fiji or something like that, something a little bit more adventurous, you know, besides the Hawaii that we've already got planned. Mm -hmm. I need to get there a little bit right now with uh, Adventures by Disney. You could go to the Galapagos. Yeah, I guess that's the South Pacific. Well, it's it's south of the of the equator and and it is in the Pacific. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not as glamorous as Fiji. So, <laughs> well, Mike and Connie, I really appreciate you coming on. Or I should say, we really appreciate you coming on to share your experience with back-to-back cruising with our listeners. And we're really excited to hear your future experience with back-to-back cruising. So we'd love to have you back on to talk about your fabulous Aulani Hawaii cruise, Alaska cruise, which just sounds amazing. But for now, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience with us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Well, it was so much fun having Mike and Connie on and talking about back-to-back cruising, which sounds like a fabulous way to maybe boost your Castaway Club status. Just do a couple back-to-back cruises and get a few more under your belt. But really appreciate the tips that Mike and Connie shared. I know that Sam and I are desperately looking forward to our own experience with back-to-back cruising aboard the Wish next year. We are on the maiden voyage followed by the DVC charter trip. So it's going to be great. And we're really looking forward to it. We already took advantage of the first big tip, which is get the same room on board so we don't have to pack and repack. So that'll be great. Really appreciate Mike and Connie joining us tonight and loved all the wisdom that they shared. With that, I do have another five-star review to read on the air this week. This one comes from Haley Crowell, who writes, super fun show celebrating all things DCL and Disney. Brian and Sam's podcast is loads of fun. Of course, they have great chemistry together as they should for a married couple. They also do a great job of interacting with their guests and making them feel comfortable. Their level of enthusiasm for all things Disney, not just DCL, is infectious. 
It's also really easy for listeners to get involved with the podcast between the Facebook group and the occasional opportunity to be a guest on the show. If you're obsessed with DCL and all things Disney, you will love the DCL duo. Well, thanks, Haley, for the feedback and the review. We love having you as a listener. So thank you so much for leaving your feedback. We really, really do appreciate it. And thanks to everyone out there, as always, for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL duo each week. Please also leave us those five-star reviews over at Apple Podcasts. It's really great to hear from all of you and get the feedback. We love reading them on the air each week. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also join our DCL Duo vlog and podcast Facebook group if you'd like to join a conversation with some like-minded DCL Duo fans and cruisers like yourself. Or you can head over to the DCL Duo channel on YouTube for even more great content at youtube.com slash dclduo. If you'd like to support the show, of course, you can head over to touringplans.com slash travel, book your next fabulous vacation, Disney or otherwise, and just let them know the DCL Duo sent you. Or you can browse over to patreon.com slash DCL Duo and join one of our support tiers. We really appreciate each and every one of our Patreons out there. The DCL Duo podcast and blog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Walt Disney Company, or the Walt Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Walt Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night. Good night.